Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what up? It's the Man Fuse Podcast. I am Kay Lee, audio producer, sitting here with my co-host, Ben H. What's up, everybody? Today on the Man Fuse Podcast, we have a special guest, Lindsay Bacon, a history teacher and a dear friend of the Man Fuse Podcast. She's here to talk about how history seems to repeat itself from hundreds of years ago. She's going to outline some of the rules of a duel, and she's going to tell us about one badass woman from the Revolutionary War whom Lake Hartwell is named after. And then she's going to close it out by wrapping some Hamilton. What up, Lindsay Bacon? Any relation to Kevin? No, no. Sir Francis, perhaps. Do you know Sir Francis? I don't. Bacon? Scientist? Early Renaissance? Lindsay's much smarter. (laughs) She's much more book smart. She just raised the IQ of the entire show by like at least 100. We're probably down in the 20s. We are going to talk about history. U.S. history, specifically. Yeah. Now, I dropped out of high school. I could have given a flying fuck when I was in school about history. But I guess as I've gotten older, I do see the importance of being educated on where we came from. I guess. As to how we got here. Yeah. You don't? No, I do. I I, absolutely I do. I mean, history to me is um, is super interesting. I don't know who the hell it is that writes history. I mean, we do every day. There's so many. There's so much. If you think about it, I think the thing that I struggle with is the narrative itself. Right. That's the biggest point of contention with history. Yeah. I mean, who wrote it? Who wrote it? Like, and not only history, but like we follow this narrative of what's going on and that becomes history. Right. But the narrative is created by people. The narrative is created by, in our case, like the media. You know, this is what makes social media so powerful is that people can actually control the narrative. Yeah. Right. On and, social media yeah. platforms. And if the majority sees it one way, right. and that's the way it is forever right. embossed into history. It's yeah. like, for the most part, like that's, if it was going to be taught, like whatever the subject was, that's what would be taught. Exactly. And that's why they say victory is written, or history is written by the victors. Yes. What's the other side? Exactly. I do find history very interesting. I just think that it is something that, um, it's the narrative that I question. So As you should. Yeah, I question the narrative. I always do, too. Now, Lindsay, ever since I've known her, um, she has been a history nerd. Nerd's okay. She's a teacher. You currently are not teaching no, history. No, I'm currently not in the classroom, um, but I do get into the classroom as much as possible. I'm still in the school, still working with yeah. teachers you, and students, but I'm not actively teaching do you history. you manage the teachers? Is that what you're doing? No, no, I'm support. You're support. So working with uh, new teachers, we have a lot of new teachers, working with teachers who want to change things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and just anytime anybody needs support. Um, I remember th- when I called you the other day and I asked you to come on, when I was in school, it was regardless of what the narrative was and questioning the narrative. Yeah. 
it was just always so boring. It right. was just taught from a book. And we were drunk one night, I think. We were at one at your house. I don't remember which house because you've moved. But you told me a story and, you know, you had been drinking and I'm not sure if it was a night that you broke out your trumpet or saxophone on oh, your wow. front lawn and started playing the Star Spangled Banner. Dang. Likely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the way you told this story about um, this particular um, event, I was like, damn, that made it sound cool. Yeah. I remembered it clear as day, exactly yeah. what you told me. I think there was a show, um, was it Drunk in History? Drunk History. Drunk History. I thought that, that was, did you ever see that, Ben? No. Oh, it was so really good. fun. It was, it's really, so good. Was it one guy or was it a couple of the same characters? No, there was, a, there was a host and he would get comedians and they would tell a story having been quite intoxicated. Wow. But the best part was is that you would have them telling the story. I don't know what this format looks like. Tell the story, but then famous actors acted out based on like the words coming out of these people's oh, that's mouths funny. it's hilarious and they're drunk do you know what the result of drunk history is what a hangover hey but um boom boom to the point that you were saying how how school was so boring you know i mean i was one of those kids too where like when when i was in economics finally in my senior year dude i was like an a student they put me in ap like i freaking a plus because I got it because when you put that little dollar sign in front of the number, all of a sudden it was exciting to it's me. Real. It you know, it made it real, but like you Take know, away that dollar sign and it's just trash. When the English teacher made me read the book out loud to the class, I did so well that she had me do it every class. And I actually liked it. I got to read for the class. You have to make education fun. You gotta make it relatable. And and really, who gives a shit? about half the stuff they teach anyways. It's mostly garbage. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion. <laughs> Not a bad opinion. The <laughs> number one thing that I use is my typing skills. I had this typing teacher who was a complete biatch. I mean, this lady, I, I want to think she smacked us with rulers and stuff in the hand. I mean, awesome. she was You're aging horrible. yourself. What's that? You're aging yourself. Yeah, and, and You're I, old hated, as hell. I hated <laughs> typing class more than class itself. Dude, that lady taught me how to type in one year, and bro, I can still hammer it. I can I can type an entire page with my eyes closed. I bet your word count is astounding. Oh, I can go for it. I yeah. got I got about twenty per minute, Ben. <laughs> I don't even know how many I have per minute. Yeah, I'm a pecker. You're a pecker. I peck. <laughs> 20 letters per minute? I, mean, I could do a little faster than that. I think I probably got up to like 40 or 50 words, but then I then I quit. But and I then, always thought, I you know, from the subject of education, right, my son goes to a preschool that we pay for, right? So let's say it's a 1000 bucks a month or something like that. And some parents have two kids there, three kids there. You know, they're about 1000 a month, 1500 a month. And then you look at all the – and I started thinking to myself – there aren't a more varied landscape of educational institutions for kids like me and for kids like Kay Lee, for example, who are actually really smart human beings. Um, dude, I would have loved to go to a school that taught cool shit. You know what I'm saying? Like that taught business or yeah. that taught, you know, my uh, high school. We have a vet science program. We've got a culinary program. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Denmark. This county has such cool stuff for our kids. That's so awesome. Yeah. But I totally get it because I wasn't engaged. I was bored. I knew back then you're teaching me a bunch of stuff. I'm probably never even going to apply. 
And yeah. I really like learning stuff that I could take and I can go apply. And now that I have a son, I'm super interested in what is he going to be learning. I've been digging into the curriculum of the Fulton County school system, trying to figure out what they're teaching the elementary kids. Now that you're here, I can throw this out there. You get 100 families, right, that want to teach their kids to be badasses. And it's a grand a month. That's enough money to start to get a building, to hire some teachers, to buy some equipment, and to literally start a school. I mean, you could literally start a school. If you think about the money that's in education, people paying a grand a month, dude, you get two or 300 students, you're going to be able to offer a level of education to kids. And I know what it would look like because I know how badly I hated all the garbage that I had to sit through. You'd have to be accredited, I guess, in order yeah. for it to yeah, mean you have to be something. Accredited and... I don't know what that process looks like. How do you become accredited? I guess you have to go before a bigger board and get approved that the stuff you're teaching yeah, will... Yeah, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. Remember when COVID locked everything down and it was like kids weren't going to school, the parents were getting so frustrated having to teach their kids, yeah. and we were like, go to the clubhouse. Right. Get a teacher to come in and bring our kids yeah. to the clubhouse to right. be taught by this one teacher and pay her. Like, well, yeah, exactly. And why don't we do more of that? Because like, I think about, okay, they're in the classroom all day. Couldn't they be out in the forest one day a week? You know what I mean? Couldn't they be out there, you know, learning how to do something out in the woods or something? I mean, it's just so monotonous and it's just so soul-sucking, you know, to just sit in class all day, to just sit there under those fluorescent lights and, rah, 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 you know, and our teachers weren't rap battling and shit like that. You know what I mean? So no. it's just like, and I hate it for Jack, dude. Like I think about Jack and I have it really, a Jack too. do you really? Yeah. Jack's oh, an awesome name. What are your two kids' names? Jack and James. Shut up. <laughs> so what's your kid's name, Ben? Jack James. <laughs> That's hilarious. I forgot about That's that. Funny. I that forgot is about funny. that. No, Jack because when you say Jack James, I was like, sometimes yeah. I'll be thinking, Oh, the Bacons. Yeah. Because Jack and James. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jack Bacon. He's going to be president James one day. Bacon. James Bacon. It does sound that like a, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a strong name. He said he either wants strong. to be president or a professional baseball player. We'll see. I love it. I love it. I've learned more about myself. I've learned more about life, um, being in nature, you know, learning how to fish, learning how to build a fort with sticks, learning how to do th like survival, stuff like that. Isn't that why you go to Boy Scouts? <laughs> All I'm saying is that should be a part of our education. Like, kids should learn in school how to fish. And how to Every make, kid should know how to and fish. And how about money management? Money management. Every kid should know. They did just you know make that I mean? change. I know um, statewide, 12th graders aren't taking necessarily economics anymore. It's going back to that financial literacy aspect because that this has been a conversation for did a long time. Did we ever teach financial literacy ever? I never took it. Do you know what I just found out today? And I know that... We're talking, we're going to talk about U.S. history. You know what's going on in Iran right now, in Iran right now, with uh, the women banding together and yeah. really trying to fight their government. Yes. I didn't realize that in the 70s, the women were partying and chilling. Oh, dude, like yeah. it, Have you like, seen those pictures of them on the beach in their bikinis? And yes, just... I looked yeah, it bro. up today because I didn't realize that this power came, I just thought it was always like that. No. I didn't you know, know your that. history, bro. Yeah, I don't. That's why. Yeah, I learned that no, today. Dude, Iran, Iran was a uh, was like the only democratic, open society in the Middle East. I mean, it was like it was unbelievable. As a matter of fact, Iraq, 
even though it was a little rougher back in those days, like, dude, Baghdad was just this badass place to go party, clubbing, and stuff like that. I mean, the Middle East used to be a whole lot different, and specifically Iran did. It was, um, it was, there was, in the 70s, there was a war where, uh, and the side that won. Who's here now? Yeah, yeah. And writing the history. Yes, exactly. It's happening in our country. It's happening in the world right now to a larger scale. There are two opposing forces. One side wants an open society. One side wants a closed society. Open society being the state is there at the service of the people's interest. Closed society being the people are there at the interest of the state. Right. And you know this conversation's been happening since the 1780s. Exact conversation. And it's been two opposing forces. Those opposing forces have not stopped. The names have changed of the parties, but the ideas, they've... They haven't yeah. changed. Yeah, exactly. And and so to me, it's just mind-boggling how anyone, rich, poor, male, female, whatever, how anyone would want a closed society is beyond me. Well, well I would think that most of these people living in these closed societies don't want to be in a closed society. Yeah, it's a small group of people who uh, want it. they don't. But they're like, how do we get out of this? Now we're under their thumb and they can do whatever they want to us. Absolutely. And and that's that's when the people become dependent on the state. Right. Well, that's, I'm going to tie it back, nerd here. You know, that's the whole point of the revolution. It was like, we got to get out of this oppressive yeah, with monarchy England. that doesn't, they don't even represent us. Like, they, they don't know us anymore. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love how that went down. I look at people in the landscape of our current political environment. And, you know, the forefathers of our country dealt with the same thing that this whole cancel culture, the attacks, the threats, the lawsuits, the utilization of government powers for political, you know, persuasion. John Adams essentially lost re-election because he got canceled. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He tried to silence people. So it's really no different. You can't do that. Yeah, it's really no different than it's ever been. But damn, what a shame it is. They're using the disenfranchised and marginalized people to usher in their elitist type closed society measures upon the free people of the world and the free people of the country. We have to stand up against it. You have to. Who was it that said, I may be saying this wrong, but the the way that evil prevails is for good men to do nothing? Sounds like a Jefferson quote. I I have no idea, but that sounds like something. I think that's Paul McCartney. (laughs) Anyway, it's true. Very similar dudes. Yeah, yeah. Very similar dudes. Served at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, do do we really have the freedoms that we think we have? Probably not. 100% we don't. There's some shit that you can't say. You know what I'm saying? Not because it'll offend anyone. That elastic clause that covers a lot of people. Yeah, does it? The elastic clause makes the Constitution elastic. And like when they need to strengthen it, they can. When they need to make it a little bit loose and interpret it differently, they can. But who gets to make that decision? Is that like the Bible? If you follow that, right? Essentially, you can interpret the words however you would want to. And that's why lawyers have jobs and justices have jobs. So the elastic clause, who was that written by? So the Constitution wasn't written by one person. James Madison's the one who's considered the father of the Constitution because he took copious notes at the Constitutional Convention. When the U.S. won the revolution, we had a failed government first. We had the Articles of Confederation because they were afraid of one large group of people like a monarchy taking over. They did not want a strong central government. Right. So they're very small 
central government whose job was literally military. I'm saying this in quotes. Nobody can yeah. see me because air it quotes. was still. Yeah, she's air quoting. <laughs> and uh, they did, couldn't even tax. It was all left to the states. And the states were so different. Right. Georgia is so different than New York. And so they ran into a lot of problems with how states can have you know, certain rights and others don't. And it just got real messy. There was almost another revolution. So a lot of people got together and they were like, hey, look, this isn't working. We need to get back together. They met in Philadelphia in secret because if anybody knew that they were meeting, they'd be like, oh, look at all of these wealthy elitist people coming over to start a new constitution, a new Mm. government. You got all these people getting together. They are talking for months and months and months and it is hot and it is nasty. You've got people who were at the revolution. You are ushering kind of a, a new generation of people who grew up in this world, different ideas. And there were two sides. You had people who thought we need to have a strong central government in order to preserve the nation. And you have people who are still very, no, we just won a war, barely, to get rid of that. And in order to get people to compromise, you have people like James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay wrote a series of essays. There were 81 essays trying to convince each other's sides, and they were anonymous. They were not tied to anybody, and they were publishing them, saying, please read this. So they couldn't see who said what exactly. Yeah. Ah, okay. And please read this so we can compromise. And they did come up with a compromise, and that compromise came from somebody who wasn't even at the Constitution but was chilling in France, Thomas Jefferson, who was like, hey, look, we— We get the idea of a strong central government. We're not saying it's bad, but how are we going to preserve our individual rights? But we we didn't have these rights written down anywhere, so we drafted the Bill of Rights. Mm. So the initial idea was, here's this big constitution. Article 1 says, we have a president. Don't know what he's going to be called yet, but we have one. Article 2, oh no, I'm sorry. Article 1 is Congress. Article 2 is president. Article 3 says, we have a judiciary. That's it. It's like one sentence. Like, there is a judiciary. Don't know what that's going to look like yet. Then... We kind of build the rest of it as we go. And that's the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights was ratified. And with that, you have the freedom of speech, right? And you had to get everybody to ratify it in order to make the Constitution. Remember, they're doing this in secret. Now we have the right to own a gun. Yeah. Now, the initial idea behind the Second Amendment was to protect yourself against a large government that tries to infringe on your rights because they had a reason to think that. Which is what I believe it was Eisenhower on his way out of office who warned about the military-industrial military complex. complex yeah, and how and it was a warning to the people. Yeah. Saying, look, the, this is the, the real the real government is called the military-industrial complex. You don't vote for these people. You don't know who they are. And he knows that he's got good perspective. Yeah, he's just got <laughs> done being president. And know? he's worked in, you know, he's the war hero. He knows. He's, he knows That's what's right. going on. So they pass these... Bill of Rights, they say, okay, we get it. We can have this constitution with a stronger central government as long as our rights are protected. But everybody has a different idea about what these rights mean. And they're fluid, right? The Second Amendment is stated for, they have they had a reason for that Second Amendment, but now, 300 years later, like, that idea has changed. It's one of the biggest debates in America, in America now, yeah. right? Freedom of speech. What is it? Where's hate speech with that? There's things that come up. So we have to add amendments. We have 27 amendments now. The first 10, you know, were added when we had the Constitution written, 1781. And then anytime there's anything really crazy, like, you know, abolishing slavery, it's a really crazy process to go in and change the Constitution. Mm. We've only done it 17 times. But anytime history changes and our our way of thinking changes and our culture changes. We have to go back and look at that constitution. The elastic clause essentially says, 
Is it called the elastic clause? It's called technically the necessary and proper clause. Okay. But they they call it the elastic clause. I don't think they had elastic back in those days. No, that's more of like a Thanksgiving sweatpants (laughs) What about Velcro? Did they have Velcro? They didn't have Velcro. NASA invented it. NASA invented it. Velcro. A little history for you. (laughs) That's what we're walking away with today. Uh, Right? NASA invented Velcro. Yeah, we learned that. And there's no such thing as space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the necessary and proper clause, the point of it is, what if something crazy happens and we need to stretch the power of Congress because that can happen. But it essentially allows Congress to do things that's not in Article 1 that gives them the right to do it. But who gets to make that decision? It's a fluid document. It's a living, breathing document that we can change. If you want to erase something, you can, right? The 18th Amendment made alcohol legal. That didn't go well. So they added the 21st Amendment, which basically nullified the 18th Amendment. Right. Is that why you put the age limit and stuff like that yeah. in it? Okay. Yeah. I haven't drank in at least, I don't know, 12 hours. And I gotta, I'm got i against alcohol. As right of now. right now. As of, right yeah, as now. of this moment, yeah. I agree with the hair of the dog. 17th he Amendment. He doesn't like hair of the dog. Maybe later this evening I'll go 21st Amendment on everybody. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, because that's when, like, like, before it was legal, everyone was, like, uh, bootlegging. Yeah. Shit was crazy then. Significantly worse than it was when it was legal. Which is the thing about illegal drugs right now. I mean, why not just make them legal? But that's the whole, that's that's like the big picture. If you look at what we've done in history before, we have experience with this. Like, oh, why would you make cocaine legal? Why wouldn't you make cocaine legal? Do it if you want to. Don't do it if you don't want to. I'm just saying. I mean, there's people smoke cigarettes. People die lung cancer every freaking day. People are dying and getting thrown in jail. Their lives are being destroyed. Because of an ounce of weed. Because somebody put fentanyl in something or somebody's trying to sell something illegally and they get caught. It's revenue, though, so they don't want to lose that revenue. Uh, they could still tax it. Excise no, it's taxes no are revenue. Tax the heck out Imagine of it. Imagine the tax dollars on blow. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't New York tax soda? Isn't that a thing? Yeah. I um, mean, they used to put Coke in, so- in tab. Coca-Cola. And Tab, too, I thought. No, dude, Coca-Cola's called Coca-Cola because it had Coke in it. Tab had it also. Did it? Tab. When was the last time you had a Tab? I've never had a Tab. You've never had a Tab? One of my aunts used to drink Tab. (laughs) You know, it was like a pink can or something. Yeah. Do they still sell Tab? Oh, you can get it somewhere. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Amazon's I just don't like the word Tab. I kind of like it. Well, because then that later on in life, it'd be like, if someone said, I want a Tab, I'd say, you're giving me some ecstasy? (laughs) <laughs> a tab. That's what you call ecstasy at one point. Tab. Give so that's tab. Maybe like. that's what was in it. Yeah. Maybe that's why I felt so good. Mm. I was vibrating. I'm actually a very liberal person, all in all. Liberal-minded person. But that being said, I can't even wrap my head around the garbage that is going on in our country right now on the left side of politics and the right side oh, of you politics. You would have loved the 1850s. Yeah. Highly recommend checking out the 1850s. Oh, really? Talk about garbage. Someone was caned on the Congress oh, floor. you did your research. You did your homework. Yes, I did. Someone I'm was caned on the Congress one floor. One senator beat the hell out of another. We can just say that uh, America wasn't doing too hot in the 1850s, right? Slavery was a big topic. But also we're talking big states' rights. And this goes back to the whole Constitution thing. A lot of the southern states supported the states having the rights and not a strong central government. And as we start to move on and grow and going out west, we're starting to see that a lot of the southern states aren't real happy with how things are going. 
And we start to see that just gradual separation between the North and the South. The West is just chilling out there, be like, oh, we're going to watch this go down. But you get senators, you got people who are elected into Congress, literally beating the shit out of each other, and nobody's doing anything about it. And they're like, I guess that's just where we're at right now. That's awesome. So you have this one guy, and I hope I get these right because I'm going to get the names mixed up. You've got Charles Sumner and Preston Brooks. Uh, Charles Sumner is the guy who got beat up. He was a senator from South Carolina. Preston Brooks was a senator from Massachusetts. There's something about somebody's talking smack about somebody's granddaddy. Mm. There's a lot of story behind that, and yeah. there, there's a lot of context there that I'm just not going to spend what, time. What was the granddaddy doing that was— He was uh, old and back home, but he was involved in politics before, so people knew him. Okay. You know, all those rich guys down south. Do you think they still had English accents in the 1800s? I, you know, I love this conversation because absolutely— like, the Southern accent is a dialect of, like, British because they were British for so long. Like, so they were Georgia like, was, like, super British. Your grandfather's sitting your at home being a dumbass. Playing. How dare you say this about my grandfather? I shall beat you with my cane. So he, he was does. not <laughs> masturbating in public. I don't think that was the conversation, but we can pretend it was. Let's pretend it was. It's yeah, let's say that. So Preston Brooks, like, he just kind of shoots his shot, and he walks down with his cane, those big old canes that they had back yeah, in the day, yeah. and he just beats the shit out of Charles Sumner on the floor of Congress. He's bleeding, and everybody's just like, okay. Wow. That well, happened. Kind of like when uh, Will Smith smacked the yes! shit out of Chris Rock. And then yeah. everybody applauded. And nobody did anything. <laughs> everybody was just like, <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> the pimp slap heard around the world was a replay of that moment I'm in telling Congress. you, we're, we're reliving yeah. history. Like, it was we're the reliving it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Granddaddy. So did the guy who got his ass kicked, was he the one talking shit? Yes. So he deserved it. So the guy with the cane was the guy whose granddaddy was getting dishonored. So he said, because my granddaddy can't about my granddaddy. be here to stand up for himself. I'm going to whoop your ass. Yes. Right? There's a lot of pride with these yeah. guys and these families and stuff. I'm going to whoop your ass. And he mm -hmm. did. Sumner was, he didn't come back to Congress for a while. That's for sure. It's a blip in the day-to-day -day of but the But that's 1850s. how it was back in the day. You talk shit about my people. Or you talk shit about somebody that's not here to whoop your ass. I'm going to whoop your damn Duels ass. Duels were outlawed at this I'll, point. So I'm going to do it in this very public forum. <laughs> right, on Congress. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess so he might have had were crazy. respect. I wonder, no one ever mouthed off to him again, I'll bet. Do you know we had a president who killed a guy in a duel? Who was it? Coolidge? Who do you think it was? Uh, Henry. Henry. You're just throwing out old names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Jackson. Yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. Bro, can you imagine getting he was challenged not to a duel? But like he guns, was not like president guns, right? when that happened. Or was it swords? Oh, there was like very specific rules. There's only certain guns you can use. There's a really good book about dueling. It goes all the way back to like with like knights when they used to do this. What was that movie that just came out with um, Ben Affleck and uh, Kylo Ren guy? Adam Driver? Yeah. About a duel between these two dudes. This has been going on forever. Yeah. Um, but when you get to the more sophisticated life, you right. have these real fancy guns. I have one shot. You have to have <laughs> like a <that>. second. <laughs> yeah. It's, Hand you, cannon. Yeah. You have to have yeah. a second who can be there to try and like talk it out and like, you know, use diplomacy before you get to the duel. Someone that will reason. Yeah. In fact, in Hamilton, there is a song which goes to the 10 crack commandments called the 10 duel commandments. It talks really? about all the rules. You got to have a doctor present. Oh. See, in movies, you don't ever see a doctor on standby. And if I've ever seen a movie, I don't ever see anybody, like, trying to mediate and trying to negotiate. No. Like, These are gentlemen. 
Oh, yeah. Distinguished. They're going to shoot each other. I'll never forgive you. You yeah. must die. <laughs> there was a lot of rules. Um, You know, Hamilton's son died in a duel. He tried uh. to talk him out of it and because, wait for it, somebody was talking smack about his daddy. Oh. oh yeah. You don't talk about my lineage like yeah. that. So uh, his son, you know, he was all mad that somebody was talking smack about his dad and challenged him to a duel. Hamilton was like, please don't do this. And he's like, nope, I, I can't back down. I'm a Hamilton. And he got shot and he died. And then Hamilton got shot and died Dang. in a duel. He did too? Hamilton did? Yeah, by a vice president. Dang. So <laughs> you can't walk away from a duel. You can, but then you're a... You're like, a bitch. Yeah. yeah. So you can't show your face again. You're like disgraced. And he's like, you know, upper echelon New York. He's married to a real, real wealthy family. Like, he's done a lot of things. He can't say no. When you win a duel... Everything's legal in Jersey. You're a bad motherfucker. The guy who killed him, this is kind of like, duels still were, were starting to be like looked down upon, like, eh, we should probably use the courts that we set up. But um, <laughs> he ran That's... away to Mexico. Really? Yeah, and he died somewhere. So it was just a complete waste of a life. Yeah. And Hamilton, was uh, he was smart, man. He, he would have done insanely crazy awesome things if he did not get shot. Mm. What do you think he would have done? Well, we can go back to the financial plan because, like, he changed, he created a treasury for America, which is crazy. But he got himself into so much trouble. He um, had an affair with somebody, and then <gasps> she blackmailed him oh. for money. <laughs> and instead, because this guy was so full of pride, instead of just kind of dealing with it, Jefferson, who was his, like, political enemy at the time, was like, I know you're doing something bad. He thought it was like land speculation and he tried to get it out of him. And Hamilton's like, you're not going to smear my name. So he wrote this essay and published it in newspapers about him cheating on his wife and then paying people to keep quiet. Everybody's like, you did that to yourself, bro. So he kind of like backed off and he went back to New York and was quiet. And that's when his son died. So he was like real quiet for a while. But he would have gotten back involved in politics because with all the crazy stuff that was going on, yeah. he would have totally gotten involved and probably would have been president. You could do all that. He I had mean, a good following. president, yeah. Well, his political party fell apart. Spies. Lady spies. Everybody loves spies and espionage. Yeah. Right, that's something everybody's into. But the funny thing about spies is that the nature of espionage, there's no written information about it. It's right. all myths and stories and legends. So when you think about all the spies and like the Culper spy ring that Washington led, which led to us winning this war, nobody talks about that. Everybody's thinking, oh, our military was so good. That's how we won. Our military sucked. Yeah, it was not We had good. nothing, but we had a lot of really good spies. And the spies were not military people. They were regular people who just like used a clothesline to like pass information. They used their whaling boats. They created a secret ink to pass letters. Mm. And they were regular people just living their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Did they use carrier pigeons then? I don't think so. God, those things are badass. If you sent one modern day, no one's looking for a carrier pigeon. It's true. That's yeah. very Everyone's true. Everyone's looking for emails. See, Trump should have used <laughs> carrier <laughs> pigeons. He should have had, like, militant carrier pigeons like dressed Stacked. in gear yeah they've got their little yeah swords just, on yeah. them because and... carrier pigeons have like this inner beacon drive them like a, a thousand miles yeah. and they know how to get back to where they were crazy inner radar pretty fun to have one is there yeah. a job you could send a note where to you my train house. carrier pigeons is that well, a line of work dude i wonder if we get them to fly between our houses that's what i'm saying well, that's what we should do. Are you coming over? This is happening. I'm <laughs> yeah, watching you guys right now. How bad <laughs> ass. Lay some carrier pigeons. One that goes back and backup. forth. What are we going to name him? Whatever. Or her. Doesn't matter. He's tagged with an apple tag. Yeah. <laughs> 
Are you still trying to spy or are you just chatting? Are you just no, like, I just want to chat. I mean, we don't, Ben and I don't communicate about the podcast unless it's in person yeah. or by carrier pigeon. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and how badass would it be if it just landed? You know? uh, yeah, I wonder what the range on a solid carrier pigeon is. Oh, they go far, dude. You know what I mean? No, they go far. I mean, like, if you, Do think you have about- evidence to support this. Well, it's in the books. It's in movies. <laughs> I, think, I think we need to get a little bit more info on carrier pigeons. No, I, sure. dude, I'm telling you, they do. They go far. Like, if you think about how like they communicate miles. in the medieval times, right? That's oh, when yeah. they use carrier pigeons. Yeah. Ravens and, you know, Game dude, of Thrones. Dude, Game of Thrones. It's real. Yeah, the dire wolf. The dragon lady. Yeah. You the know? Dragon Hopefully you lady. don't have, like, a three-eyed raven who can just, like... Now there's just cat ladies. Yeah. There's no dragon ladies anywhere. <laughs> just Who's the cat lady? That's what we're going to do, Ben. We're going to have the man-fused carrier, carrier pigeon. pigeon. I cannot wait to see this. be awesome. We're going to get really one. You know, Mike Tyson, that. he's a pigeon guy. I thought he was yeah. a tiger guy. Well, he is now because he's rich as hell, but yeah. when he was ghetto, no, he Mike, still has his pigeons. No, I know he does. What? It's, yeah. Yes. He loves pigeons. They're like his... Uh, they're like his thing. Are they yeah. like street pigeons that he found, or does he breed them? Well, I yeah, think no, he probably like he breeds them, them now. And... He keeps them. It was like on a documentary with him or something. Well, and you like, just found your mentor. Mike Tyson. We need Please teach a us carrier, about carrier pigeons. pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> Mike what's, Tyson, what's if the, you're listening. Right. We want to transfer joints yeah. back and forth. Oh, There's like a rolled cool. up note. Yeah. <laughs> and then in a joint. Seal. So it'll be a note. With a joint inside. I challenge you to a duel. Yeah. <laughs> duel at dawn. There's okay. going to be a duel. going to be because somebody talked smack about somebody's granddaddy via carrier pigeon. That's yeah. right. Your gonna... granddaddy sucks. I mean, we had, right here in Georgia, one of my favorite stories, Nancy Hart. There's Hart County. You know where Hart County is? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's like, I want to say it's Lake Hartwell. I'm not from Georgia. So H-A-R-T, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's named after this really, really awesome woman named Nancy Hart. And just fun fact, in eighth grade, your children will learn about her. She is very part of Georgia history. Mm. Now, here's the thing, though. There's a lot of myths and legends about this. Recently, they've come up with a couple of pieces of evidence that they can corroborate to prove the stories to be true. Right. But she's like the perfect example of just like a cool person. Wasn't educated. She was a frontier girl. And she was like six feet tall, fiery red hair, um, had a penchant for vengeance. During the time of the revolution, she hated the loyalists, the redcoats. Not a fan, which is crazy. Modern day Democrats. I hate redcoats. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I learned you should not call British people redcoats right now. The redcoats are not okay. (laughs) Georgia was a loyalist colony because it was the newest colony. It wasn't a colony until 1734-ish, and uh, it depended on England for trade. It's until all we had here. We only had Savannah. That was about it. Um, So people here were like very pro-England, pro-King, and there were not a lot of people who were like pro-independence, pro-America. She was one of the few. And her husband was in a Georgia militia, Mm. and he he was off for a while, and they had this little house, and she was just like known, like the Cherokee Indians who lived around here called her Wachata, war woman. They were like, you don't mess with this lady. Wachata. And she didn't play. People knew that. And all the loyalists around her, like, knew who she was, but she did crazy shit. Like, she would dress up like a man, go pretend to be, like, a simple-minded dude and wander into, like, these British war camps and just try and get information and just pretend to be just this simple dude. And she would get things, pass that information to her husband, who would go tell the militia. She did that just, like, for fun. That's awesome. And then she used her daughter, Sookie. But in my head, I think Sookie Stackhouse. She was in on it. They had this, like, conch shell that 
was like kind of far off. They lived in the woods, and whenever there was like trouble, she would go blow the conch shell like in the Lord of the Flies. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that would alert the militia. There are loyalists around. Yeah. And there was a couple of instances where she got real nasty and like people knew who she was. Like there was this one time she was making soap in her fireplace and like, what do you lie? What's the mm-hmm. acid that you yeah. use? Yeah, lie. And um and it's hot and shit. And she um her daughter saw an eyeball looking through the the, the window and she was like, There's somebody spying on us. Because they knew that she was this person who did weird right. things. Um and so she just took the boiling soap and threw it at the dude. Didn't know she's going to hit him, but she did because she heard him scream. And then she grabbed him and turned him into the Patriots as a prisoner. Wow. And so even you'd- Badass she was. Yeah, and she's just like chilling in in the frontier. But her like best story is that um, her husband was away with the militia. She was at home with her daughter who was making butter, you know, doing Georgia things. Right. And um, there's like four or five, six of these British soldiers who come to her house- because they heard that there was a Patriot soldier who came by to get information from her that she'd collected from, you know, dressing up to be a dude. So and, were they, th- it was a kind of threatening, were they on her property? Yes, because- they were on her property, they were armed, and they said, we know that you were talking to these Patriot soldiers. And she's like, I was not. She absolutely was. And she was lying, but like, they knew her demeanor, they knew, she, yeah. had, a, she had a, you know, a... She was shady. Yeah. And... They were not very nice, and they went and they shot her prized turkey. She didn't have much at the time, right? Her husband's away. They had this one turkey, and instead of flipping out on them, she was smart. She was very street smart. They shot the turkey and said, woman, let us in and cook us this turkey. And she's like, come on in. It's going to take a while to cook the turkey, but I have wine. Y'all want to share some wine with me? And so she gets them real juiced up. They line up their muskets by the front door because they're a bunch of idiots and they're sitting there thinking oh this woman we finally got her we're gonna drink her wine we're gonna eat her turkey and meanwhile she sent Sookie her daughter to go blow that conch yeah to alert the militia and then she Sookie comes back Sookie's standing at the door and Nancy is all talking to them and and she's passing the muskets through their door so that there's no muskets and one of the dudes sees and he's like I see what you're doing you stop but they don't have their weapons on them. And she said, don't move. And one guy did not believe her. And he got up to move and she shot him right in the chest and he died right in front of everybody. Nice. And everybody's like, Ugh, we didn't get our turkey yet. Do we wait around? Yeah. So we keep drinking this wine. They have our weapons. There's nothing they could do. And um, so she wounded another dude just to make a point. Her husband finally gets there with the militia and he says, we're going to just shoot them all. And she goes, no, 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 no. We got to show the other soldiers not to mess with us. So she goes and hangs them. And they're hanging there, and everybody's like, okay, do not mess with Nancy Hart. We know what she's going to do. There's so much of this, though, is story. It's like Georgia legend. But in 1912, there were these, like, railroad engineers who were building a railroad near where her house is, and they were digging stuff up and found, like, a bunch of skeletons. Wow. And they're like, that shit's real. She yeah, did right. that. So well, she hung them from, like, a tree? Yeah, so that any soldier, any British soldiers <laughs> came by and be like, boo 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 accent at the door. You're in Georgia. <laughs> You're in Georgia. Well, but they were British back then. I mean, like, we had accents, right? Well, and that's the other thing. You know, so many people in Georgia were loyalists still. And she's like, no fear. I support the American cause. Right. In fact, I'm going to hang these soldiers here for everybody to see. Look what I did to them. War is interesting. You know, it's a really nasty thing that people do when they, you know, kill each other. It's just part of humanity, really. Yeah. It's just it's, it's just part of humanity is is that uh, we kill each other. It's so weird. And we've always been evil to each other and to every other being on this planet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And going back to your point, Ben, about who's telling the story, 
who's telling the story? Is Nancy telling the story? Right. You know, like the the soldiers are dead. They can't tell the story. Exactly. What what, what happened on their end? Right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe she was just like a hot mess of a person, which she probably was. But and she just shot them for no reason. Right. And we don't know. That's right. But yeah, it's legend in Georgia. That's pretty cool. She's the only uh, woman to have a Georgia county named after her. It just kind of reminds that's me, like cool. when you put it like that, it's um, it's like the Wizard of Oz. We've all seen the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. and the Wicked Witch of the West. That's right. But then there's Wicked, so good. which is the Wicked Witch of the West's version yeah. of the story. And you're like, oh, so that makes sense. So the good witch wasn't necessarily the good witch. Yep. But she was painted in this light, right? Where her narrative, Poor like Elphaba. she is pure, right? Ugh. And the and the green witch is bad, but yeah, and that's she like, went bad for a reason. That's history. Of... Like all the things we look at, all of the stories we hear, they're stories. Yeah, we don't know what's the fact. Yeah, you can have all of these historians who you know compile all this stuff. But it's also but at about the end of the day perspective. It's perspective, right? How do you see that version? And then you incorporate it. And if you're the one that's writing it down in the history books or whatever. Oh, you have a degree. You must be the end all be all. So your perspective is better than someone else's? No. But that's the the biggest thing right now. I think that's the hardest thing when you look at history, but also it's just being a human being, is to think of the perspective of people back then, right? When you think about what it's like to live in America in the 1820s. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what that life was like. We cannot judge those people for the decisions that they made. No. Whether they were right or wrong, we have no idea what their life was like. People are a product of their times. And so you have to wonder about the narratives and who controls the narratives. And it's interesting what you see when you start looking back in history as it pertains to things like... um, You know, I mean, we had Daniel Bland on here talking about the flat earth. I mean, this is this is not a stupid person. He was in the military. He's he's a war veteran. He was in the cavalry. Um, You know, I mean, this is a really smart guy who loves his country. 9-11 is another thing that he's been investigating. And when you start thinking who writes the narrative, who controls the narrative, who puts out the story, you know what I mean? How is it that that becomes fact history? That yeah, it becomes way a more fact. complex than that. It you can't just saying? be that. You know, like how? Because, for example, with regard to nine eleven, if nine eleven was actually something that was planned and executed by the uh, military industrial complex, for example, it's genocide. I mean, it's it's like treason, and it's not a terrorist attack. Changes well, everything. it is you know a terrorist attack on, on your, your own, own country. Right. But, I mean, just think of all the people in Afghanistan and Iraq mm-hmm. and all over the Middle East. Millions of people were killed based on that story. And our own people like Daniel Blaine. I mean, I was over in Iraq, but I didn't sign up for the military because I wanted to kick ass. I signed up for the military so I could live in Europe. And that was, you know, it just had to be June of 2001. Great time to join, right? Right. Good timing, Ben. Yeah, awesome timing. But at the end of the day, you think of that and it's like, well, whoever it is and whatever it is that is creating this narrative does not have the interests of the people in mind. It's not about the interests of the people. So what is it about? And that's not unique to now. That's not unique to any time period. It's always... Like it's always this. self-serving. Yeah, that's where it's human nature. Stay in power, get more money. I mean, what else is there? 
Respect. Women. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Yeah. Money, power, respect. Golden pigeon. <laughs> That's how you get the women. That's how That's you how get That's how Benedict them. Arnold got his woman. Yes, sir. <laughs> we know how that happened for him. That was a pretty good story about Hart. I like her. So is she buried here? I think her monument's it's somewhere over in Hart County. It's like the Broad River Valley area, just northeast of Athens, I want to say. And, you know, she's part of, you know, the standards. The standards dictate what we as teachers teach. And she's part of that standard That's because cool. it really shows just pride in Georgia. Yeah. That Tomochichi. There's lots of cool people here. I moved yeah. here from Florida and my first job was teaching Georgia history. I'm like, damn, yeah. I got to learn some things. But like it's, you know, state by state. Every state has different standards. And it's all the perspective of the people who live in that state. What do you want your kids to know? That's right. Well, you're following the standard of the county and the state that you're in. Is there stuff that that you know that you're teaching that it's like, okay, well, I wish I could bring another perspective oh, yeah. of these events. Yeah. Like, or I'm leaving stuff out because it might hurt someone's feelings, yeah. maybe, or someone's going to be way sensitive about it. You're not saying that slavery didn't happen, right? Yeah. No, I mean, we're reading an essay by John C. Calhoun called In Defense of Slavery. That's a great example. When you teach an AP class, you have different standards. You have college board standards because it's a college level course Mm -hmm. versus when you have like an on level or depending on what county you're in honors U.S. history, it's dictated by the state standards. They're very different. Yeah. And so you have a lot more a lot more freedom in an AP class. But you also have kind of the caliber of student who can think with complexity. Right. So there's a big difference. So like in my AP classes, I am kind of bringing in things like that because I know these kids can handle it. And they also understand the nuance of history. When you say they can handle it, they're not going to be butthurt about like or their parents aren't going to freak out. because that could happen. And it has. Um, So you still have to be careful. And let's be real. The past three years has been a lot more difficult than it was prior. Definitely. Teachers have to be a lot more careful. Um, Is that because of the woke culture? Yeah, there's a house bill that just passed this year. I can't think of the number. Uh, it's called the Parents' Rights Act. And, you know, as history teachers, there is not one history teacher that exists at my school, and I can only speak to my school because that's what I know, who's trying to do anything outside of what our job is to educate students. They do this job because they love kids and they love history and they want kids to love history. Right. I'm right. sure that somewhere in the world, that there in this country, there's people who aren't doing that. I speak for my school. Great human beings doing a great job. Yeah. People who know that they're doing this for the right reasons and love history are not making bad decisions. Mm. They're making good decisions. There are people who are worried about this House bill because what if you have a kid who's out to get you and, you know, they put their phone up to film or record you saying something and they take it completely out of context, like what I just said. I just said, John C. Calhoun writes this essay in defense of slavery and we're going to read it. Why are we reading it? To understand the perspective of the people who are willing to die to keep slavery. Right. Why in the world are these people willing to die to keep slavery? If we read this essay, we can get inside their mind. But you get a kid who records a teacher saying those words, now boom, you, it goes to the news. Now you're supporting of slavery and you want to bring it back. Yep. <laughs> no! So that's the that's the craziness of it. And it hasn't always been like the that. The carrier pigeon brought the wrong message. <laughs> he took the wrong message. Blame it on the pigeon. Yeah, it's the pigeon's fault. That's really good. That's really interesting. So that's, you know, with when you have an AP class, you have a different caliber of student who can think in those terms. That doesn't mean every student in that class gets it. But 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 you're talking about a student like going, okay, listen, I can appreciate her wanting us to read this essay. You're getting in their head. 
in that time that they were living in. The whole goal of taking a college course in high school is to start thinking more maturely. And the whole point of college is use your brain. Look at both sides. Look at yeah. all the information the that you have. That's not even just college. That's yeah. life. Let's yeah. be real. That's yeah. life. Now, right. can you do that in an on-level class? Absolutely. Do you have kids sitting in that class who are interested about that? Not as likely. Right. It's not worth doing. Right. Got to be pretty courageous and brave to do that. So you kind of stick to the standards. And it's to be safe, which is not my favorite thing in the world because it feels so... Um, scripted and you don't get to tell the fun stories and you don't get to give the different perspectives because instead of thinking about complexity and perspective, you're taking everything at face value. And that's just not fair. And you're giving them just that version. of. Are there teachers who do that? Yes, they exist. Should they be in the classroom? Hell no. They're doing everybody a disservice. I can't say I know any teachers who do that. Teachers don't get paid enough. We love you, you know, for doing what you do. And I mean, you would be an awesome teacher. I want to show up in class. Can I show up in class? I'm going to go back to high school, Ben. You want yeah. to go back to high school? Be like 21 Jump Street. I'll bring y'all in. Yeah, I'll bring, yeah. in. I'll bring we'll be, y'all into some we'll classes. We'll be narcs. That's right. Let's be narcs. <laughs> I'm only yeah. 18. But do you know any teachers that have like stepped out? I do know teachers who have left because of this. I don't know anybody who has been forced out because of it. I know people who said... I don't get paid enough for this shit. Yeah. Which and, is a damn shame because they are good teachers. They're and they just teachers. can't teach the way that they want. It's or... not about teaching the way that they want. It's just the fear of repercussions yeah. of just trying to do your job. Right. It's not worth it. Ever since Daniel's been on, I've just been in this rabbit hole about the flat earth. AP World History, they look at all the perspectives. Right. Why did people think that? Right. And they go and look at it. And kids love to bring up stuff about today. And they're like, okay, well, there's people today who have way more information and technology than people had back then. Yeah. How can they still believe this? Let's talk about it. Right. I've got this teacher at my school. He's military. He's probably the same age as you. Fascinating dude. He's one of those guys that, like, you could just listen to tell stories forever. And it's one of those things that, like, he can get his kids so intrigued by just a story that they start thinking, like... It's like Jesus. Tell a story, make a point. Yeah, man. That's awesome. (laughs) It's my personal opinion. That's what makes a good history teacher a good history teacher. Right. You could know the pedagogy, or you could just be a really good storyteller. My best professor in college, he was, like, alive during the Civil War. He legit started teaching at FSU in 1949. Wow. Jim Jones. Not that Jim Jones. (laughs) So where in Florida are you from? So I'm originally from Chicago. Okay. Moved down to South Florida. Got it. Fort Lauderdale area. Because you said FSU. I'm from Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. Are you an FSU fan, though? Of course. Yes. Jim Jones has been in Tallahassee. Well, was. He recently passed away. Rest in peace. He taught one class a semester. And that one class, he got to pick whatever topic he wanted. And that one class was three hours long once a week. People fought to get a seat in that class. There's 30 max. And that's how you know he's a good damn teacher. I wasn't even a history major. I was a music major when I went to college. Wow. I was not supposed to be a history teacher, but I got my teeth knocked out at a concert. I was at a mosh pit. Crowd surfing fell and you can't play saxophone without teeth. So I had to change my major and move to history education. So that was fun. And I listened to this guy. He would talk for three hours and he didn't have flashy technology. Podium with no notes. Yeah. And this dude talked. My first class I took with him was Civil War. Fought to get into his next class about World War II. Yeah. I learned about the craziest shit. And I remember it all. And all of the people in that class who I still talk to, we had these weird inside jokes about Jim Jones and, like, his stories about, like, balls and, like, weird things. To this day, is still my favorite history professor because the way you tell a story. Man, and he talked about balls. 
You're There's a lot of context behind that balls. that I did not include, but um, yeah. if I had any friends from those classes who listen to this, they're going to laugh. Yeah, okay. balls. balls. Jim Jones and his Jim balls. Jones and his stories about his balls. <laughs> the best teacher yeah. I've ever known. Man, he was the best. We fought tooth and nail to listen to him talk about his balls. <laughs> <laughs> the most legendary <laughs> balls in the business. <laughs> so he may not have been rapping. In class, captivating. He had a hell yeah. of a pair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he also had a carrier pigeon. Oh, no way. He was so old. No, he did? Kidding. He's a oh, god. I'm so excited. Man. Jim Jones is a god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody that knew him thinks he's a god. Yeah, we need to put him on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. we should. There probably yeah. is somewhere in Tallahassee a t-shirt with Jim Jones on it. Was oh, wow. it his cadence and delivery? If I had to, like, imagine what no, he sounded he was, like. No, he was entertaining. For an old dude, he was super energetic. He would tell a story and kind of like tell the weird things about it to kind yeah, of hook you. Right. And then tell you the stuff you really needed to know. Like, hey, you're going to be history teachers. You should know this stuff. Then he would just surround it with all the different stories that right. support that. And they were different and weird and funny and sad. And it was like, damn, history is like human. It's human. There's a little musical based on history. Sweet. You ever heard of it? It's called Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah? I have heard of it. Do you, have you heard it? Have I heard? Are you familiar with the songs? Uh, no. Are you a fan of 90s rap? Yes. Okay. I think you'd like it. Really? Yeah. So it's based off of a book uh, by uh, Ron Chernow, okay. who's a very famous uh, historian, and he helped produce the play. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is like a child of the 80s and 90s. He's amazing. And he wrote this um, based on the book. He was reading it on vacation, and he was like, this has to be a musical. Really? And it's about like a dude. That's the whole thing. He's telling a story. Right. The story, he did have a little bit of artistic liberties. So, of course, any show you watch, book you read, the author's going to use their artistic liberties. Right. But it's pretty darn close because the author was involved. There's a couple of songs that are based off of some Biggie, um, uh, some Tupac, perhaps, oh, some cool. Wu-Tang. But there's a particular part of the play. Um, it's the second act, and George Washington is now president, and one of his tasks is he has to pick his first cabinet. There's been no president, no cabinet. Right. Got to set the precedent for that, so he picks his buddies, and he picks Thomas Jefferson, cool bro, yeah. but he's, like, very uh, worldly, secular. Yeah. Picks him to be a secretary of state. He's like, you know, you hang out in France and England. Jefferson's all about it. And then he picks Hamilton, who's this, like, street rat, kind of climbed up the ranks during the war, yeah. and is, like, real, he just, he wants to be part of something bigger than him. Yeah. And he's the secretary of treasury, because this dude uh, is a genius. Okay. He was, like, a... Uh, Hamilton is. Yeah. Okay. He was street uh, rat. He he was orphaned essentially. Um, he lived in He's a uh, grinder. Yeah. Yeah. He grew up on the streets. Yeah. He got he got street smart. He went to school he, hard knocks. He lived on I want to say Saint Croix. I could be wrong. Um, so he wasn't he wasn't even born in America, and his um, he was orphaned. By the time he's twelve, he's doing the books for a trading company, and all the people wow. on his island are like, "We got to get this guy off the island. Get him to New York. Get educated." So That's they like awesome. raise a bunch of money, send him. Super smart dude. So he's the Secretary of Treasury, and his goal is to try and get America out of debt after the war. Nice, a little bit of debt, but there's a lot of fights because who pays the debt? Do the states pay it? Do we assume the state's debts and pay it off? So he comes up with this financial plan. And so we have a rap battle between Jefferson and Hamilton about Hamilton's financial plan. Okay. Oh, you're going to rap it? Oh, this is awesome. We do this in front of our students. and Oh, that's cool. George Washington's president at this point, And he has a cabinet meeting. The cabinet only consists of Hamilton, Jefferson, and uh, two other dudes, which do not include John Adams because he was just the vice president. The vice president is not an important person. I said what I said. This is Jefferson first. The topic is Hamilton has this idea for this financial plan. We need to hear him out. 
Yeah. He's the Treasury Secretary. Like, we should hear what he has to say. Right. Um, but he's also a Federalist, and Federalists are all about big central government. And Jefferson staying true to his roots, and he's a Democratic Republican. The South mm-hmm. is Democratic Republicans. So, like, if you give this kind of power to the central government through the elastic clause, yeah. we're done. We're done yeah. for. This starts off with uh, Jefferson. Embarrass myself here. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We fought for these ideals. We shouldn't settle for less. These are wise words. Enterprising men quote them. Don't act surprised, you guys, because I wrote them out. But Hamilton suggests the federal government should assume states' debts. Now place your bets as to who that benefits. The very seat of government where Hamilton sits. Not true. Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If New York's in debt, why should Virginia bear it? Don't tax the South because we got it made in the shade. In Virginia, we plant seeds in the ground. We create. You just want to move our money around. This financial plan is an outrageous demand, and it's too many damn pages for any man to understand. Stand with me in the land of the free, and pray to God we never see Hamilton's candidacy. Look, when Britain taxed our tea, we got frisky. Imagine what's going to happen when you try to tax our whiskey. Because there was a whole whiskey rebellion. There was some whiskey. shit going on. So uh, James Madison's in the back all like puffing up and like we're yeah. dropping mics and stuff and feeling <laughs> good. And here comes Hamilton. Hamilton is very young, very smart, but according to uh, Jefferson, super inexperienced. And he, in fact, wanted to have a monarchy in America. That's another story. All right, so Hamilton comes in and says, Thomas, that was a real nice declaration. Welcome to the present. We're running a new nation. Would you like to join us or stay mellow doing whatever the hell it is you do at Monticello? That's his house. If we assume the debts, the union gets a new line of credit, a financial diuretic. How do you not get it? If we're aggressive and competitive, the union gets a boost. You'd rather give it a sedative? A civics lesson from a slaver. Hey, neighbor, your debts are paid because you don't pay for labor. We plant seeds in the ground we create. You keep ranting, but we know who's really doing the planting. And another thing, Mr. Age of Enlightenment, don't lecture me about the war. You didn't fight in it. You think I'm frightened of you, man? We almost died in the trench. Well, you were off getting high with the French. Thomas Jefferson, always hesitant with the president, reticent. There isn't a man he doesn't jettison. Land he doesn't jettison. Madison, you mad as a hatter, so take your medicine. Damn, you're in worse shape than the national denizen. Sitting there, useless as two shits. Hey, turn around, bend over. I'll show you where my shoe fits. Madison was sick, and Hamilton's he was on a lot, boy. Of, a lot of medicine. <laughs> I like Hamilton. I think Hamilton won that one. Oh, yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. Definitely. Hamilton. Now, let's be real. Hamilton's financial p- plan, it was wild to think about, to think, like, we're going to take all the state's debt and then just pay it off, even though some of the states already paid it off. Jefferson's like, we don't have debt from the war, but New York is, like, drowning in debt. Yeah. That's not fair. But we did it and created credit so that come the War of 1812 and all the further wars, we can get aid from other countries yeah. because we paid our debts off to them, especially France. So he was right. And even after Hamilton died, Jefferson said, I hated the guy and I thought his financial plan was insane, but he was right. He was right. Wow. We thank you so much for coming in. You're sitting with the kids in the back of the class now. Those are my favorite kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Check us out at manfuse.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple. We're all over the place. Carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons. If you know about carrier (laughs) pigeons, please hit us up. At manfuse.com. Let us know. Yes. Where can we get one? Where can our podcasts be delivered by carrier pigeon? Attention, Mike Tyson. Yeah.